Welcome. Together we're going to explore our personal finances and figure out how to improve them. Whether you're just getting started in life on your finances or you may already have a home, a car payment, and you're struggling to get credit cards under control, or you're getting a late start in life on saving for retirement. ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com is a podcast to educate those to improve personal finances, whether it's eliminating debt or making smart investments. Reduce Debt, Increase Wealth Mr. Chuck here, and welcome. This week, I'm going to concentrate on talking about good debt and bad debt. Some people will tell you all debt is bad. Other people will tell you all debt is good. It's just a matter of opinion. And that's basically what I'm going to give you is my opinion. To me, good debt is the debt you absolutely need to get through life. You'll need a mortgage for your home. It's always better to buy than rent. I'm not going to go into that now, but rent, you're just throwing your money away. If you're buying a house, even though you have additional costs such as maintenance, when you sell, you should get all your money back. So a mortgage for a home is good debt. You need a car to go to work. Now you can buy a used car. You can keep your debt down. That's what I recommend. Buying a new car every two or three years or leasing a new car, I think, is a waste of money. Buy an inexpensive car. If you have to finance it, finance it. Get it paid off early. Keep it a long time. I just bought a new car about two years ago. The car before that, I had 18 years. Most of that time, I didn't even owe on it. So I was putting money aside. Well, I should have been. (laughs) I was paying down debt. So that's good debt, bad debt, payday loans, getting cash advance on your money that you earned is a ripoff. You're paying way too much for a short-term loan in interest, and they probably got fees. I've never done a payday loan. I never had to, uh, and I avoided it at all costs. So if you're doing payday loans, your first goal is to get out from underneath them, get them paid off, and never go back. Remember. We're not creating new debt. So if you got payday loan problems, you need to get taken care of first. Priority one. That's bad debt. Student loans, you can consider that good debt or bad debt. If you owe way too much, it could be bad. If you got an education that helps you get a better career or job, you could say that's good. But you should concentrate on getting that, you know, under control as soon as possible. If you're a medical doctor, you don't won't have to worry too much. If you're a history teacher and can't get a job or you're teaching, you know, elementary school, <laughs> that may not be too good. So it's it's a, it's a matter of opinion as I stated before. But you got yourself there, you're in debt, so let's just assume for now that your only good debt is your mortgage and one car payment. Anything other than that should be considered bad debt. Credit cards, payday loans, personal loans, owing the family money, whatever it may be. I consider that bad debt. Now, there are an article in the Motley Fool, had an article in USA Today that I'm going to refer to next. It's got average debt 
of American households. So it's kind of an eye-awakening thing. But the average debt, 137000 I think it was, in that range. I've paid off 100000 maybe a little bit more than that. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, in the last four years. So it is possible. I'm done it. I'm doing it. So let's go to that article next. A foolish take. Here's how much debt the average U.S. household owes. By Leo Sun, the Motley Fool. The average American household carries $137,063 in debt, according to the Federal Reserve's latest numbers. Yet the U.S. Central Bureau reports that the medium household income was just $59,039 last year, suggesting that many Americans are living beyond their means. Here's how much debt the average U.S. household owes in credit cards, auto loans, student loans, and mortgage. Credit cards, $16,883. Auto loans, $29,539. Student loans, $50,626. Mortgages, $187,421. Those numbers are unlikely to shrink anytime soon, according to NerdWallet. That's because the cost of living in the U.S. rose 30% over the past 13 years, yet household income only grew 28%. As a result, more Americans are using credit cards to cover the basic needs like food and clothing. Medical expenses have grown 57% since 2003, while food and housing costs climbed 36% and 32% respectively. Those surging basic expenses could widen the inequity gap in America as a quarter of Americans make less than $10 per hour. On the bright side, education costs rose 26% during that period and growth in student loan balance has slowed. So the picture could be improving for financially disciplined millennials. (laughs) I can't say that. Sorry. The Motley Foo has a disclosure policy. Now that article is from the Motley Foo. I like to make a comment about that article. Even though the article states the average American has $137,062 in average debt, if you're age 26 to 46, I'm going to just make that a 20-year broad age span, your average debt's way more than that because in, in that same article, they have a chart. When you add up credit cards of fifteen thousand eight hundred and eighty three dollars you're talking about auto loan average of twenty nine thousand five hundred dollars student loan debt of fifty thousand six hundred dollars and mortgage of a hundred eighty two thousand dollars i add that up to be about two hundred eighty thousand so if you're younger that's way your average debt for u.s citizens way too low you owe way more than that you know, if you take in consideration all the seniors who have very little or no debt, that's bringing that number way down. I'm, I'm going to say that the average American living in a home, even on an apartment, maybe with two children, you're looking at 280000 a whole lot more debt. But you got there. How did you get there? You need to look back at what happened. How did you get so far in debt? How'd you get $16,000 in credit card debt? The average credit card debt is around $6,000 per card. So that means you got multiple cards. 
with a six thousand or more balance, or maybe you got one or two cards with ten or twenty thousand dollar balance. Either way, you need to really look at your lifestyle. How did you get there? Was one were you laid off? Did you have to use a credit card to live off of for a while? Did your spouse quit? Uh, did you quit your job and started a business and you got behind? There's all kinds of reasons people get behind, but the main reason is you don't keep track of your finances, or at least that's my opinion. So that's what my podcast is all about, getting your finances under control, know what your finances are, and keeping track of everything. Figuring out what your discretionary income is, that's money that you have that you don't have a need to use right away for. Well, that's a good description. That's my description. And then that's money you could set aside in your savings account and build up so you can make a big lump sum payment on your debt. I'm now going to talk about uh, getting your finances more under control. One of the ways in doing that is going through your budget. Well, what I'm calling a budget. Do you really need everything you're paying for can you get the same services at a better price so i have another article i'm going to read from again the motley fool i believe spring cleaning this should be done once a year at a minimum especially if you're trying to get out of debt and you need to be aware of what you're spending your money on and how much you're spending don't just spring clean your house, tidy up your finances too. By Aaron Lottery, special to USA Today. As you shake off those winter doldrums and put away snow boots to prepare to deep clean the house, you can add a new technique, spring cleaning your financial house. It's so easy for us to put our financial lives on autopilot and fail to evaluate the ways we're spending and the products we're using. So once a year, you should set the practice of running a financial audit to determine which products and services you no longer use or could switch to get a better rate. To get started, you want to print out a year's worth of bank and credit card statements. A true audit needs to be run by having all the financial information in front of you. Audit your statements realistically. Search for both monthly and annual fees you pay and make note of any services you no longer use. And be honest with yourself. This should be about the real version of yourself utilizes, Not the idealized version who reads the New Yorker cover to cover each week and doesn't let it just stack up in an overwhelming pile in a corner. Do the math on how often you, you go to the gym versus your monthly membership fee and see if it's still worth the cost per visit. Next to subscriptions and memberships that aren't currently serving you. Next, write down ones that you use, but for which you can probably find a better deal. Bonus points if you go through all the statements with different colored highlighters and track patterns in your spending habits. This can be especially eye-opening if you struggle to free up money to put towards savings and or debts. Ditch and switch. While you have all those bank statements in front of you, it's good to look for any recurring fees you're being charged by your bank. It's 2020. There's just no reason for you to be paying a monthly fee on your checking or savings account. You shouldn't even be jumping through hoops like having a minimum daily account balance or a certain amount of monthly direct deposits. 
maybe a $12 monthly fee for checking or an $8 monthly fee for savings don't sound like much, but that's up to $240 that can go towards funding other goals. Speaking of savings, that's $240 should be routed to a savings account with a higher interest rate than the paltry 0.01 to 0.06% offered by many traditional brick-and-mortar banks. It can currently get 1.6% to 1.7% annual percentage yield, or APY, on a savings account. That means if you have $1,000 in your savings, it's the difference between $0.02 and $4.08 earned in interest in a year. On $10,000, that's $1 compared to $170. It's not a get-rich-quick money, but hey, it adds up. Internet-only banks like Alley and Capital One 360 offer more competitive checking and savings accounts. Marcus by Goldman Sachs also offers a competitive savings account. These banks are just safe and carry the name same F Federal Deposit Insurance Corp FDIC insurance as the brick and mortar banks you're used to. The only catch is if you work in a cash heavy job and need to be able to deposit bills, you could always use a brick and mortar for checking and set up a savings account with a better interest rate. Evaluate your credit cards. Speaking of the need to potentially ditch and switch, are the credit cards in your wallet the best ones for your spending patterns? The easiest option is a flat rate cash back card on everything. Uh, for example, one offering 2%. But if you're willing to play the game a bit, you can also look for cards that offer higher cash back for the bigger line items in your budget, like groceries or gas or dining out. Put a sticker on each card to remind you for which type of spend you should use it. This is especially helpful practice for any cards that offer rotating cashback categories. Personally, when I'm not focused on racking up points for travel, I save up cashback all year to subsidize my Christmas gift budget. You should also consider closing any cards with a steep annual fee that doesn't actually provide benefit. A fee might make sense if it's, say, for the airline card and you get free check bags. You'll likely see a short-term drop in your credit score for closing a card, but assuming you have other lines of credit like a, like another credit card, then you rebound quickly. Anxious about closing it? Try negotiating the fee with the credit card company because they want to, you to keep it open too. Negotiate better deals. Prepare to negotiate on everything from insurance to cable and internet to cell phone service. Shop around and see if you can get a better deal elsewhere. If you secure a better deal, then you can try to go back and negotiate with your current provider or just pull another ditch and switch. Save your saved money. The final step to spring cleaning your finances is actually put all your saved money into savings. For monthly payments like savings $20 a month by switching cable providers, you can automate an extra $20 per month to get routed into your savings account or apply it to any debt you're working to pay off. Another technique is to make more of this annual challenge to set up a new savings account, especially for the money you save spring cleaning each year. That way you can see it really start to accumulate and even put it towards something exciting like a family trip or a splurge item you may not have otherwise purchased. I have a few comments on that article. 
First of all, I agree with about everything he's saying. If you listened to my podcast last week, I told you to project your, you know, ahead from paycheck to paycheck. One of the easy ways to do that is to keep your statements in front of you. That way you know who you owe, the due date, the interest rate. You can find the interest rate somewhere in that form and your unpaid balance. That's all that's good information. He was saying to take the money you save when you negotiate lower fees and put it into a specialized savings account. Save it. Well, my system automatically does that for you, so you don't really have to make an effort. As you're reducing your spending, when you figure out how much you need the next pay period or the next month, you're going to have more left over in your checking account. Remember, you want to keep a minimum of $500, and then over time, when you get a little more accurate, maybe $300. And you're going to be transfer that into your savings account. So you really not have to make an extra effort to transfer money from your, you know, negotiated savings on whatever it is into a savings account. I think one of the biggest expenses everybody has is cell phone, cable TV. I know personally I had AT&T and it was bumping close to $200 a month. And I'm just one person at the time, one cell phone. And I just thought I'm paying way too much. I need to get that down. Well, I called up AT&T. What plan you got? I could save some money. You know, I'm paying too much. If I can't get this down a little bit reasonable, I'm going to start canceling stuff. Because that was U-verse, that was a phone line, that was a home phone, that was a cell phone, and internet access. I can tell you today, AT&T has only got internet access. And the only reason they have my internet access is because they're the best choice for the area in which I live. So... And that it is what it is. I switched my cell phone service. Now I had two lines because you know, I got married over time. Wife's has a cell phone. So now I'm paying less for two phones, unlimited talk, text, and data than I was paying for one line a couple of years ago. Every couple of years, you just need to call and, and look at what they're offering. Tell them you're going to change. Tell them I'm going to go with the better rate. You know, there's other providers out there. Now, what I, my personal option was, I didn't really stay with AT&T, but I went to Cricket, which is an AT&T company. It's the AT&T cell phone network. So I'm still really with AT&T, but Cricket is their discount service. So if you can't get a reduced rate directly from AT&T, Change your cell phone service to Cricket. You still got everything AT&T offers under a different name for a lot less money. And since we're trying to reduce our debt, we need to reduce our spending. And I can't remember if I said it or not. I don't think I have. There's only two things you can do. Increase your income, reduce your spending. It's up to you to increase your income. Personally, I change jobs. And I increased, I almost doubled my income. 
just by changing jobs. Quit one job, start a new job. That's the trucking industry. You can do that. Not everybody can do that. The other option you have, reduce spending. Just look at everything you're spending money on, especially those yearly subscriptions. You probably are paying for stuff that's automatically ducted out of your checking account. You forgot you even have. You probably hadn't used it in two years, but you still pay for it every year. Uh, Internet security is one of those items. Maybe you had an old computer and you got two plans and don't know it. You're paying for the same thing twice. You're only using one of them. That, that's a, definitely a possibility, and that's $80, $90 a year. I paid off my line of credit, and there was a $90 annual fee, and I had a zero balance. But as a, here's a credit tip. If you want your credit rating to stay high, you cannot close your credit accounts. When you pay off your credit cards, just don't use them. Don't cancel them. Don't close them. Well, I was in the same thing with my line of credit. I didn't want to pay $90 for something I wasn't going to use, but I knew if I canceled it, that's going to reduce my credit rating. I went to the bank and I just asked, asked them. I got my line of credit paid off. It's in June coming up. Is there any way I can get that $90 annual fee waived or removed so I don't have to pay it? I don't intend on using it, but I just don't want to close it in case I need it. And the guy looked at it, he looked up my account and said, this should have been done when you did this. You got your mortgage with us. You should never have been paying that annual fee from the day one. That was six years ago. That was six years, $90, almost $600. I wasted because I wasn't paying attention. So that applies to you. Only thing they did was change my whatever checking account it was, gold to platinum or whatever. They changed it. Now I don't pay the $90 and nothing's changed. Everything looks the same. Everything's the same. No big deal. So you never know what's going on. You need to keep track of your spending. I'm not saying do away with stuff that you'd like or reducing what you're spending on things you need or buying an inferior product that's cheaper. I'm saying just be careful. Be aware of where your money's going and keep track of it. So now let's go over what you should have already done. It's been a week. I know some of you are busy. Did you check out your your checking account? Do you know how much money you got in there today? Do you know how much you need to pay before your next pay check comes into you? Have you reduced all your credit payments to the minimum balance? Those are things you should be doing. Have you quit using credit? Have you stopped borrowing more money? Are you working on getting rid of those payday loans? Go to your lenders. Tell them you want out. You need to get paid off. What can you do? Quit doing payday loans. That's a, that's a first stop thing. So that, those were my tips last week. And this week I talked about good debt and bad debt. What, you know, everybody needs a place to live. Everybody needs a car to drive to go to work. Maybe two if you're married and you've got a spouse. But then you'd have, hopefully, two incomes. If your spouse is stay at home and you know, raising a family, that, that's good, too. It's just maybe you need a beater car to go back and forth to work. 
in your good car, let the wife spouse, you know, let your spouse drive the good car. If you can, you know, get by with one auto loan, you're doing good. If you're younger and just getting started, you need to minimize your debt. Just don't go really nilly. Oh, I got a credit card. It's like spend, spend, spend. I need this, this, this. Oh, that's fine. Let's go out drinking with my friends. Whatever it is, you need to keep that under control. Put yourself, you know, when I went, I was younger. I'd go out, you know, Friday night with my friends. I just back in the day, twenty bucks went a long way. You know, put fifty dollars in your wallet, pay cash. When you're out of fifty dollars, you go home. That's the only way you're gonna keep everything under control. You just start try oh, I'll pay for it, put it on a credit card. You gotta stop doing that. Stop creating new debt. Start saving money. Build up your savings account. Build up that emergency fund. Get yourself in better financial shape so you don't have problems in the future. If you come a problem, you'd be easier to get out of it. Work around it. I, I'm trying to <laughs> think of my next tip. Yeah, review what you're spending. Try to negotiate new deals. Cable TV is a big expense. Cell phones is a big expense. Utility companies, if you're not already on what they call a budget where you pay the same amount every month, set that up. If you're behind on paying utilities, set up a budget. Tell them, you know, there's so $50 a month is going to go to my current bill and $20 a month is going to go what's behind. As long as they know you're trying, they're going to work with you. That's the main thing. Additionally, for the people who have a credit card with a zero balance, I know that you can uh, buy stuff online and you shouldn't use your debit card from your checking account. You should use a separate check uh, credit card. But when doing that, you need to treat it as cash. If I buy this today, can I pay for it next payday? Can I pay for it on Friday? I need to keep that balance at zero most of the time. You want to avoid paying interest. That's all for now, so stay tuned for more good information on reducing debt and increasing wealth. Goodbye. That's the end of another episode. I hope you found it useful, and if you would like to share this episode with your friends, please do so. I'm open for any suggestions for improvement or for information that you'd like to talk about in future episodes. You can go to my Facebook page and leave me a message. I'm more than glad to respond. To find my Facebook page, go to ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com and click on the Facebook icon.